Hey there, this is Zach from Cornerstone Assembly in Truro, Nova Scotia. Thanks for checking out this message. If you're looking for more information about our church, check us out online at truerochurch.ca. Now to the message. As your pastor, I want to give you the tools. I want to give you the ability, the knowledge, the insight. I want to equip you so that you can walk into and possess what it is that God has for you this year in 2020. But often, often we'll find ourselves stuck. You ever found this in your life before? You find yourself stuck in in, in old ruts, in old habits, in old ways of thinking, and and it feels like you you don't really know what's next. And even though we're we're entering a new year, we're entering a new season, we're entering, even though we know God has something for us this year, we will often find ourselves asking the question, what's next? What's next? Where where do I go? What should I do? How will I get there? What, What is next? Uh, not too long ago, I had the opportunity to go to St. John, a, a new city that I hadn't been to before in New Brunswick, and it was a really cool experience. I got to go for, for a district conference where we uh, went with, with, with Alandra and Pastor Janetta, who's serving downstairs in our kids' ministry right now with a great team of leaders to make a difference in the lives of those children. How many know the kids' ministry is so important in the life of our church? That it's more than just child care, but it's hiding the Word of God in these kids' hearts so they might know God personally for themselves. That's what our kids' ministry is about. We're teaching these kids to know Jesus personally. And so I got to go with Pastor Janetta, our family pastor, and Alandra to St. John, and we got to experience this new city that I hadn't been to before, and this new place. And while we were there, most of our time was spent during the conference and and during these different types of things. But we did get some time to explore and look around and see these different parts of the city and try some food and and see the sights and, and all these different types of things. And it was great some local restaurants, but as much as we did, even as we were finishing up and, and heading home, I, I had this, this nagging feeling, this nagging feeling that there, there was still more to do. There was, there was still more to see, and there was, there was something simply that we had experienced that we, we, we missed along the way. We didn't know where it was, and I'm sure some of us have had that feeling before, too. Have you ever had that feeling? That feeling of there, there, there is more, but I'm missing it. And I, I don't know where it is, that there is, there is more, but I, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do, that feeling that somehow I'm missing out. But what if you had a tour guide? What, what if you had somebody that had been there before, that, that knew the local sites, that, that knew even the best secret places that, that most people never find? What if you had someone to help you on your journey? How much better would your journey be? Probably quite a bit better. Well, I believe God has a journey for all of us. I believe God is taking us on a spiritual journey. He's got steps for each of us to take. But most people simply don't know what's next. Most people simply don't know what is going on. And as we enter this new season, I believe God has something fresh for you. I believe God has something new for you. I believe God wants to do something more in your life. And your pastor, I want to see every person in our church discover the specific steps that God has designed for each of us to take so that you and I might walk into a life of fullness, a life of freedom, a life of hope in Jesus Christ this season. And these steps are all throughout the Bible. They're said in a number of different ways, and you'll see them written throughout the story of Scripture. But these steps, I believe, is the spiritual journey that we are on, and all of us, no matter how long you've been on this journey, how short you've been on this journey, all of us have a step that we can take. Steps that will give us unstuck from places we've been for way too long. 
You know, steps that will help us live a life of meaning beyond ourselves. Steps that will fill up a life with, that God intended us to have, a life of purpose, a life of meaning, which is why we're starting this new year by starting a new series, which we're starting today, which we'll be covering over the next four weeks, which is called What's Next? When you came in this morning, you received this little booklet, this little pamphlet. If you don't have one, I encourage you to get one. They're right there on the sound booth, right by Katie. Katie, you want to wave? Katie, there's Katie right there. She's doing a great job in our sound booth. There's a couple more booklets for you right there. But we're going to be following along with this Next Steps booklet here this morning. I encourage you, there's some blanks in there. We'll be walking through those here this morning. Fill those out as we go through. Because I believe that God has something more for you if only you'll take a next step. And this series has been many months in the works, but it's built very intentionally with four steps in mind to help you do four things in particular. To help you to, number one, grow in your faith. You'll see that there on the first page. To grow in your faith. Then to connect to your church. To discover your purpose. And then to make a difference in the lives of others. And I believe, I believe truly, over these next four weeks, that if you will choose to take one, two, or, or three of these next steps as we are walking through these, you will find yourself walking into the blessing and the promises of God that he has for you in your life this year. So, so let me show you these next four steps that we'll be looking at over these next four weeks. Step number one. Step number one is simply this. I want you to know God. Man, first and foremost, more than anything else, my desire for you is that you would know God. And that's step number one, and we'll be covering that today. We'll be talking about the spiritual journey that God has for each and every one of us and what it means for you and for I to follow Jesus personally, but not just personally, also publicly. Because when we follow Jesus, it changes everything, and people need to know. But step number two, step number two, I believe we want to find freedom. And I believe that freedom is only found in community. And healing only happens in the context of relationships with other people. That's where we see that. And I want to talk to you about the life of the church, what it looks like to offer you an opportunity to become a part of our church, to connect to the freedom of a God-centered community. That's what we're going to be looking at. And step number three, I want you to discover purpose. Because God has created you with purpose, on purpose. And it's different from anybody else in the room. I love that about the way Jesus designed the church. He said, I'm going to make every person different so that they, when they work together and when they come together, there's this great diversity and unity that none of us can have a part. But when we come together, man, something happens that's beautiful. And I want to guide you through a discovery of discovering how you are uniquely wired to make a difference that is different from anybody else to discover your purpose in life and ministry. And then step number four, number four, lastly, I want to make a difference. Because, man, I believe that's why you're here. Your life isn't an accident. You are here on purpose, with purpose, to make a difference where you are. And not just here at this church, but in three very unique areas of life that we'll be covering in those next couple weeks. So these are the four steps we're going to be covering together as a church over these next few weeks. But regardless of whether you decide to journey with us, or if you decide to journey with a church somewhere else over these next few weeks, I have a hope for you this morning. I have a hope, and my hope for you is this. My hope is there on the next page. It says that my hope is that you would come to know God personally as you discover new freedom and purpose in him. You see, I, I believe that every one of us is on a journey to discover true freedom and to discover true purpose in life, and that God uses the local church to do it. I believe the local church is the hope of the world. God has said, this is the place I have decided to put my people. This is what I have decided to use to make a difference in society. But I also want you to know that your journey does not have to happen at this church. I happen to know there are a lot of really great churches in Truro. 
I happen to know as well those pastors personally. And I know that their heartbeat is very similar to my own, which is that their desire is for you to know God, for you to find freedom, for you to discover your purpose, and for you to make a difference. That doesn't mean it has to be here at Cornerstone. I want you to know that. Because I understand this church isn't for everyone, and that's okay. But, but if you would say, you know what, Cornerstone is the church for you then this is the place you want to grow and connect, then these next steps will help you connect with our church and make connecting with our church as easy as possible. So now if you'd say, Zach, yes. Zach, yes, I'm on board. Yes, I want to take some next steps. Yes, I want to go deeper with my walk with God. Yes, I want to know what's next for my life. If you'd say that's you, I have a prayer for you today. I have a prayer for you, and you'll find it this morning in Ephesians chapter 1. It's the same prayer that Paul praise this church in Ephesians chapter 1. You'll see it there in your books. And if you have a Bible and you want to follow along, feel free to do that as well. Although there might be a lot of paper in front of you this morning. So maybe you can just walk along in your book. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to give you a bit of context real quick. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul is writing to this relatively new church. They've only been around for a couple of years. They haven't really been established yet. And, and Paul is saying, I want to help you guys grow up. I want to help you guys know God. I want to help you guys go deeper in the things of God for you on this spiritual journey. Here, let me give you some steps. Let me give you some processes so that you can be known where the next steps are for you on this spiritual journey. And he writes out this prayer for the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17, which is the same prayer that I have for each of us this morning. It's the prayer that you will see our hope for you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. You'll see it on the screen there as well. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that, can we say this all together? So that you may know him better. Verse 18, let's go to the next page. Verse 18. He says, I pray that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you and the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. All right, so now that's a little much. There's a, little, there's a lot there. So let's break that down a little bit this morning. And as we break this down, you're going to begin to see how these four steps are found in this prayer that Paul writes to his church. And it starts with step number one, which is uh, my desire and my hope for you, if you decide to connect and be a part of this church, is that you would, number one, first and foremost, know God. And I don't want you just to know about God. I want you to actually know God personally. And that's the first blank in there. You'll see that. I don't want you just to know about God. I don't want you just to have a head knowledge. I want you to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. A personal, abiding relationship where you actually experience his love filling your heart. Where you understand what it means to have his grace wipe away your sin. Where you actually know his voice leading and guiding you through every situation of life. I want you to know God personally. But I also believe that God wants to be known by you. Because we believe that God does want to be known by you. That's the next one this morning. Known by you. I mean, this is the difference between knowing who someone is and actually knowing who someone is. Like, say for instance, I I, I know who Justin Bieber is. Anybody who know who Justin Bieber is? Come on. He's huge. He just released a new album. It's a fire. It's great. But I don't know Justin Bieber. Anybody in the room know Justin Bieber? No, no, no one knows Justin Bieber. <laughs> we don't know him personally. That's the difference, you know? But I, I, he doesn't know me. I don't know him. But I believe that God does want to know me. 
and actually wants to be known by me. It says in Jeremiah 29, 11, you'll see that in your book this morning, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, Jeremiah 29, 11. God is speaking to these people, and he says, listen, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I got good plans, good things in store for you, hopes, a future, dreams. I got things for your life, good things. But verse 13, 12 and 13 is the interesting section that we often miss. He says, listen, then you're going to call on me. When you call on me, and you come to me, and when you pray to me, I will listen to you. And here's the part. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Because God wants to be found and known by us. He wants to be sought by us. How many know it's nice to be pursued? It's nice to be wanted. And God wants to be wanted by you. He wants to be known by you. This isn't a one-way relationship. I love what you said this morning, Margaret. This isn't a one-way relationship where I talk at God, but rather with God. This is a two-way street. And I believe God wants to be known by you. And so my hope for you this morning is the same hope that Paul puts into words here. I'm praying for you that you might know him better. All of us might know God this morning. You might have a relationship with God, but I want to pray for you that you would know him better. And at the end of 2020, you would say, Zach, I know God better than I did coming into this year. I'm praying that you would know God better. And I'm praying that you would know God better through two main avenues here at our church. Number one, Sunday services. Sunday services are the main thing that we do on a weekly basis. You know that. You come to church on Sundays, it's going to happen. But Sunday services, I want you to know, are not for us. Sunday services are about creating an atmosphere and an environment for people far from God to come close to God. That's what this is about. We create Sunday services around people meeting with Jesus. And I want to create an atmosphere and environment that removes as many barriers as possible so that somebody far from God can come in and become close to God by the end of our Sunday service. In prayer before the service, This is in conversations around coffee. This is in worship. This is in our kids' ministry. This is in stories that we hear. This is in preaching. This is in every part of the service. All of it. All of it is shaped about creating an atmosphere for us to know God better. But number two, I also want you to know God through hearing God. And we've been talking about this a lot over the last few weeks, and you're going to continue to hear about it, because I believe this is so important in the life of every Christian. In two weeks, we're hosting our very own Hearing God seminar, where you'll be teaching and and knowing what it means to hear the voice of God in your life every day. Because I believe God is interested in more than just the miraculous. I believe he's interested in the mundane, like car rides. I love that. That's so good. That God would interrupt you on your car ride to church to say, I want you to stop and give a car ride to somebody else. I believe he's interested in those moments of your life. And he wants to be involved in those moments of your life. And here's the thing. God is already speaking to you. It's not that he's not speaking it's just sometimes that we don't know how to listen. We don't know how to hear it. We've got to tune our radios to the right frequency so we can turn into Hope FM and hear the voice of God speaking to us on Sunday mornings. <laughs> so Paul, God's always speaking to you. But then Paul goes on. Paul goes on. He says, verse 18, he says, listen, I keep, I'm, I'm asking for you. I'm praying for you that the Lord Jesus Christ, that he would, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom, that he would give you everything so that you might know him better. And then verse 18, he says this, I pray that the eyes of your hearts might be enlightened. Now, what's he talking about here? Is he saying that you have some hidden eyes in your heart someplace that we, we don't know about, some extra organ? No, no, it's not at all. He's not talking about that. What he is saying is, listen, I, I, I know we don't have eyes here. It's not what we're talking about. He's saying that we all see the world through the lens of our past experiences. All of us do. 
We all see the world through the lenses of our past experiences. And what we let into our hearts clouds our vision so we can't see straight. You got past hurts, you got past pain, you got past sin, and all of that begins to cloud our vision so that you can't see right. And my prayer for you is that you would have the eyes of your heart enlightened so that you might see right and find freedom in Jesus Christ, which is the second thing I'm talking about this morning. I want you to know God so that you can find freedom. And I want to help you see right by finding freedom in Jesus. Freedom from guilt, freedom from shame, freedom from, from disappointments and from past hurts. My prayer is you'd come to find freedom in Jesus, but also freedom in community. Because we believe that true and lasting freedom is always found in community. You won't find freedom in isolation. It simply won't happen. You won't find freedom in a place of loneliness because God has designed us to be together in the safety of relationships with other people who can come alongside us and lift us up. Even as we did this morning, just to take a moment in the service to pray for each other, to lift one another's burdens, that's where we find freedom. James says something interesting in James chapter 5. James chapter 5, verse 16, he says this. He says, look, guys, I want you to confess your sins to each other. All right, that's weird. Why would I do that? Why would I confess my sins to each other? Well, that's a pretty uncomfortable process. He says, no, look, no, can you follow me for a second. I want you to confess sins to each other and pray for each other. Why? Because something amazing happens when we are honest and real with each other in community. He says, confess your sins to each other. Listen to this. So that, can we say this together? You may be healed. You see, healing happens in life with other people. And anybody here that spent time in growth groups or at a set free retreat knows exactly what I'm talking about. Freedom is found in community. And we provide two opportunities for that here at Cornerstone. Number one, growth groups. Growth groups. Growth groups are an amazing way and a place for you to grow in your faith and to build meaningful relationships with other people. Man, from the ladies' prayer group that meets every Thursday night to gather and lift each other up, to organize studies that we'll do for short periods of time. Man, this Hearing God seminar, this is a growth group. This is what we're going to be doing. Come with some friends. Say, hey, would you come with me and sit with me at my table at the Hearing God seminar so we can grow together in this, not alone, because I believe that healing happens in community. Growth groups is the number one way for you to begin to build deep relationships and find freedom with others. But number two is through the set free retreat. Now, that one might not be familiar to you guys. You might not hear that one so much. That's because it's a part of the church renewal retreat. So we've talked about this quite a bit, and those that had the opportunity last year to go to Steinbach, Manitoba, for the church renewal retreat, got to participate in the set free retreat. And the set free retreat is a part of that trip, so that we can begin to confess sin, begin to find freedom from all of these things that we have in our life. But I know, I know it's not really accessible for everyone, nor do I expect that. I don't believe that Steinbach is the answer for everything. I don't. I need you to understand that this morning. Church renewal is a great system. It's a great process. It's got some good tools. I don't believe it's the salvation of our church. Not by any means. Jesus is the salvation of our church. But I do believe that there are some practices and principles that we can begin to learn from and employ in our church, in our systems, to begin to make a difference here. Which is why we're going to slowly begin to bring, within the next year, the set free retreat here to Cornerstone so that we can walk through this together and that you might know how to find freedom in Jesus Christ from our past hurts, hang-ups, and hold-ups. In the meantime, in the meantime, I'm praying for you, though. And I'm praying for you that you would know God, that you would know him better, and that you'd see right 
through your hard eyes. You'd see right through your hard eyes, that your vision might be uncluttered and enlightened in order that you might know the next step, which is that you might discover purpose. Paul says, I'm praying for you that you would know God, that you would find freedom, and that you would know the hope, verse 18, to which he has called you. Listen, you have a calling this morning. Do you know that? You have a calling this morning, a purpose, a reason for existing, and you have been called to hope. And we believe God has created you with purpose, on purpose. But if you don't get your eyes enlightened, you won't know why you're on this planet. And then you'll never discover your reason for existing and why he's created you and what he's created you for. Listen, I want to help you discover how you are wired because you, the way you are wired is distinct and different from every individual around you. You are uniquely wired and what God has called you to do. Because the reality is, each of us is wiredly differently. My brain works differently than yours, and that's awesome. I love that about the body. As a matter of fact, that's exactly the way that God designed it. He says in Romans chapter 12, listen, we all have different gifts. Romans chapter 12, we all have different gifts according to the grace of God that is given to us. My gifts are different than yours. My interests are different than yours. My ability is different than yours. And that's good. The best part of all of this is that God has designed it this way on purpose for all of us to have a unique and meaningful role to play. All of us have a unique and meaningful role to play. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, look, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you has a part to play. Listen, God has a purpose for your life, something only you can do, something that the person next to you can't do because they're gifted differently than you. And we want to help you discover what that purpose is. I want to help you do that in two ways. Number one, spiritual gift inventories, personality assessments, things like shape, things like disc that will help you to understand what your unique wiring is and what God has called you and created you to do. We're going to be walking through that in two weeks' time. And then through Holy Spirit retreats. Holy Spirit retreats. This is things like with Doug Schneider last June, where we had him in, where we begin to look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how we begin to function and practice those in our daily lives. How are you gifted by the Holy Spirit? Let's begin to practice those as a safe place we can grow in those together. So that, lastly, point four, we might make a difference. Look, I'm praying for you that you might know God better, that you might find freedom from your past, so you might know the hope to which he's called you, but also where it's found. Verse 18, he says, I'm praying for you that though you may grasp the immensity of his glorious ways for the life he has for his followers in his holy people. Listen, your purpose is not found in isolation this morning. Your purpose is found with other people who are making a difference together. And we believe God has created you with purpose, on purpose, to make a difference where you are. I truly believe that. God has created you with purpose, on purpose, to make a difference where you are. And I'm not just talking about here at this church, but I'm talking about three different areas of life that each of us has, different circles of influence that each of us can begin to make a difference in. And God has called you to do that. And so we're going to be talking about that in about three weeks' time. Jesus says in John chapter 15, he says, listen, when you do this, I need you to understand something awesome that happens. When you do this, when you serve out of your ability, and when you make a difference, two things happen. I want you to know that, number one, we bring God glory. He says this, he says, to my Father's glory, you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. But number two, he says, I told you this so that my joy might be in you, and that, this is really interesting, can we say this together? 
that your joy may be complete. Interesting. That your joy may be complete. Would you underline that this morning in your books, something like that? Because when you've discovered your purpose, and when you've found your place to serve and make a difference, man, it's not work. It's joy. God wants to serve, find your unique fit, so that when you are working and serving in that place, it is a joy to do what you are called to do. You will find yourself fulfilled and built up as you're serving within that unique place. You just are so excited to go to work. You're just so excited to go to church. You're just so excited to do that thing that God has called you to do. I want to help you discover that. Number, there's two areas where you can begin to discover that. Number one, it's through the Cornerstone Crew. I love this. This is, this is a rename. Cornerstone Crew. This is the teams that serve on every Sunday. The Cornerstone Crew is those that run coffee, those that greet you at the door, those that are serving our tech booth right now, those that are downstairs in our kids' ministry, those that serve behind the scenes making the bulletins, that do the offering, that clean this place to make it, make it amazing and a fun, good place, safe to be. This is the team members that make Sundays possible. And when you find your fit, when you're finding passionate about, man, nothing is more fulfilling and life-giving than serving on a Cornerstone Crew. But number two, it's through bridge events. Bridge events is the second opportunity we get for you to discover your place where you can make a difference. Because uh, we believe that God loves us, and so we need to love other people. And there are abundance of opportunities for us to make a difference in our community. So we'll do organized bridge events where we are building bridges into our community to make a difference there in different ways. And I, man, these are some of my favorite events of the year. Honestly, I get to have some really great conversations with people and get to know them and hear their stories and hear what God is doing in their lives and how this church has been affected. Man, I'm looking around the room this morning. I'm seeing just a handful of people even that I know connected to this church through Bridge Events. And that is such a cool thing to be able to say that, that people have come to connect to a community of faith and grow in their walk with God as a result of us building bridges into our community. That is so awesome. That's so good. I have a lot of conversations with people at these events. Over the past few years that we've been doing, I have conversations with people that, that haven't been to church in years, or have never been to church before, or, or feel that church isn't for them and that they would be judged. And I hear all these different things about what church should be, and, and they know of church, they know of, of God, they know of faith and what they see on their Facebook feeds. And I hear all these confusing questions, though, about what it means to follow Jesus. Because church is very different than Jesus. Attending church doesn't mean you're a follower of Jesus. Not by any stretch of the imagination. But I want you to know this morning, this is a safe place. If you've got questions, if you're not sure about this place, if you're figuring this out still, this is a safe place to explore your questions without judgment. I want you to know that no matter where you might be in your journey of faith, you belong here. Even if you don't believe everything that we do. You belong in this place. Even if you don't believe everything yet. Because I understand, faith is a journey. Faith is a journey, not a destination. And I believe every single one of us is on this spiritual journey. It's a journey to discover freedom, to discover purpose in life. The only difference is, some of us in the room with a little bit more gray hair have been on this journey a little longer than others. Can we agree about that? <laughs> a few of us have been on this journey a little bit longer than others. And whether you're just starting this journey, or you've only been on it for a few weeks and no matter who you choose to journey with, this church or another one or other buddies outside of this place, I want you to know every spiritual journey starts with one person, and that's Jesus. We believe Jesus is the way and provides guidance for life's journey. 
He said of himself in John chapter 14, verse 6, he says, listen guys, I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the one that leads us. He's the one that guides us. He is the director of our faith. Listen, we don't look to a preacher. We don't look to a band. We don't even look to a church. We look to Jesus. That's the center of our faith. That's what we're about this morning. This isn't about rules. We look to Jesus. Because real Christianity is about relationship, not religion. Margaret, you nailed it this morning. You said it so perfectly. Real Christianity is about relationship, not religion. This isn't about rules. This isn't about processes. This is about an active, abiding relationship with Jesus Christ where you walk with him and talk with him and know what his voice sounds like. Listen, it's not found in rules. No one ever found salvation in following the rules because he can't. We're broken people in need of someone to save us, to fix us, to hold us out along the way. What I love about following Jesus is that he gets right down in the mud with me whenever I fall, and he meets me in that place, and he picks me up and carries me. He never says, I need you to fix yourself, and then you can come to me. Then you're good enough. He says, no, no, I'm going to meet you where you are on your terms. Pick you up. Let's go. Let's carry on. And I love, too, about this a common misconception people will have about their walk with Jesus. is They think, well, I messed up. I fell. I guess I better go back to square one. That doesn't make any sense to me, because if you're on a marathon, if you're on a journey, and you trip at mile 14, do they send you back to mile one? No. They say, get up at mile 14, and continue at mile 14. Let's pick up where we left off. If you feel that you've fallen this morning, and you feel you're far from God, I want you to know he's close to you. He picks you up, he meets you where you are, and says, let's continue on. Let's continue this journey. You're not disqualified. Let's continue where we left off. Because listen, trusting Jesus is for everyone. It's completely inclusive. Because trusting Jesus is for everyone. It's a gift given to us by God. He loves us. He forgives us. And he wants to draw you close to himself. But listen, I still hear those questions. I still hear those questions from people at those bridge events. Well, hey, don't I need to be a better person first? You know, don't I need to get my life sorted out? Don't I need to clean up my act? Don't I need to figure out my garbage and then I can come to church and then I can follow Jesus? And the answer is no. No, absolutely not. The whole point of Christianity is that we're broken. The whole point of Christianity, of following Jesus, the reason I need Jesus is because my life is messed up and apart from him, I'm hopeless. That's why I follow Jesus because I'm a broken person. No one is perfect, and God gets that, and he loves everyone just as they are. You don't need to change to get God's love. Listen, you change because of God's love. When you have experienced the love of God flowing in your life, you can't help but respond and become a different person. When you trust Jesus as your Savior, God will help you follow him as long as you want. This is a journey where you can begin to walk this out as he takes your death and he gives you life. Jesus says in John chapter 10, he says, listen, the thief's purpose is to steal from you, is to kill you, and is to destroy you. But I have come, Jesus says, that I might give you a rich and meaningful life. That's what Jesus says in John chapter 10. He says it's a life of abundance, it's a life full of hope, it's a life full of blessing. And trusting Jesus is step number one on that spiritual journey to experience that kind of life day in and day out. But listen, it's your choice. It's your choice this morning. You've got free will. 
You have free will. And God leaves us with a choice. He says, listen, I'm not going to force you to do anything on your own. You have choices this morning. And there's a couple of differences between these choices. And maybe, maybe at some points in your walk with God, you've struggled with these choices in the same way I have. You've struggled with not feeling good enough, perhaps. Listen, number one, you can do more, or you can just receive what God's already done for you. Some people think they need to work harder, do more, be better. Maybe then they'll have earned it. When the reality is, you and I can never do enough to earn God's love. You and I can can never work harder because Jesus has already done it for you. He lived the perfect life so you don't have to. He died on a cross to bear your shin and your shame so you don't need to bear it. And he rose from the dead and now he offers his life to anybody who wants it. He says, listen, you don't need to do more because Jesus has already done it for you. But maybe, maybe you've struggled with self-worth. You know, maybe you've felt like you need to earn God's approval. Listen, you can try and earn God's approval or you can either receive God's love for you. You can earn his approval, or you can receive God's love for you. Maybe you don't feel worthy enough to receive God's love. You know? And so on some level, you feel like you're always trying to earn it, earn his approval. I mean, that's like trying to earn the love of a parent. I'm going to try to earn my mom's love as an infant. Well, I can't. Because she loved me first, before I even did a single thing. God loves you, even though you've done nothing to earn it. Romans 5, 8 says that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrates his love in this, that while we were still sinners, while we'd done nothing, while we were dead in our trespasses, before we'd done anything to earn his approval, God showed his love to you. Or maybe, maybe you've struggled with this last one, which is a negative attitude about responding to God. Now, I know I've struggled with this one a lot in my life. I remember in CTC, it was a, a one-year discipleship program I did after high school. I, I remember I struggled with bitterness, and I struggled with my attitude, and I remember feeling like I needed to respond to God out of duty instead of out of delight. I remember feeling this, this, this duty boundness in my life, that I, everything was a burden. Going to church was a burden. Following God was a burden, and when God helped me to see from a different perspective, he said, listen, Zach, following me isn't a burden. Following me is joy, that your joy may be complete. This is what I've come to do, that I might give you a life full of freedom. Listen, when my mom calls me to the dinner table, she comes and says, listen, I want you to come and sit at the table with me. I've prepared a a meal for you. I've laid out this amazing dish, but I'm lying on the couch like a slob, and I get up and I'm grumbling about the duty of having to get up and come to the table all of 10 feet's difference to eat my meal. My attitude isn't right. And yet, God invites us to the table. He says, listen, I've made a meal for you. I've made you a whole course, five-course dinner. Come, share it with me. Take it in with me. Would you delight in this with me? It's not a duty to come and eat dinner. It's a delight. And God has called each one of us to the table. He says, listen, come sit with me. Enjoy the meal. And, and you can choose to respond a duty or out of delight. You know, and one of the ways, one of the main ways that we respond as Christians is by getting water baptized. Actually, skip a page here. If you've got that one in front of you, after I choose to believe what comes next, skip that page. We're just going to go to the last page there, which is water baptism. You know, one of the main ways we respond as Christians to Jesus 
is by getting water baptized. Listen, at this church, we practice baptism by immersion in water as teenagers or as adults, which is the way that Jesus was baptized. And, and we, just, we see that the Bible describes this in every single gospel account. Listen, I think this is really interesting. That in the gospels, there's four of them, every single one felt it important to put this detail in, that Jesus was water baptized. Did he need to be water baptized? No. He's the son of God. He can do whatever the heck he wants. <laughs> right? But he still made a choice. He says, listen, I'm going to submit my will to the fathers and be water baptized as an example for those who would come after me. This is a very important thing for followers of Jesus. You think if every author thought to include this detail, it's probably a pretty big deal. It's one of the few stories, apart from the crucifixion, that every book details. This is a big one for followers of Jesus. Jesus told us himself even. He says, listen, in his final words, here's the thing I need you to understand. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be with my father. And in Matthew 28, verse 19, he says this, therefore, you guys, here's my final words to church. Here's my final words to you. Go and make disciples. And here is the distinguishing mark of a disciple. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Listen, disciples of Jesus are baptized in water. It's that simple. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you have not yet been water baptized, I want to encourage you. Would you take that step? We're having water baptism on February 2nd. Would you take that step to say, you know what, I want to get water baptized. I want to declare I'm a follower of Jesus. On the back of your connection card this morning, there's a little spot there. You can do that. And there's these water baptism cards too. There's two of them in your hands this morning. So you can fill one of those out and take that step this month. Because by being water baptized, here's what you're doing. Here's what you're doing. You'll see this blanks there along the way. By being water baptized, you are following the example set by Jesus Christ. Listen, you're saying if Jesus did it, so will I. He's the son of God, but he still said, I'm going to humble myself to set the example for us. Now we follow his example, and we follow what he set out for us. We're saying, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Number two, we're saying, I'm going to demonstrate my changed life. Listen, I no longer associate myself with my old life. Yes, there's things I've done in my past that I'm not proud of. Things I've done, things I've said, things I've looked at, it's caused hurt to myself and to other people. But by being water baptized, I'm saying, look, I am putting those things behind me. They are dead. They're in the grave. I'm a different person. I'm a changed person. That old part of me is dead and gone. I want to live a new life now. And I want others to know that I have a new life. Because number three, you're declaring your commitment publicly. Listen, by getting up in front of other people and saying outright, this is who I am and that this is what Jesus has done for me. Water baptism declares publicly what has happened privately. It's a public declaration of something that's happened in your heart that nobody else can see. Now, I hear this from some people sometimes. Some people will say, well, you know, this is a private decision for me to follow Jesus. It's just between me and him. You know, this is just something that I had to do. It's just a private decision. I, I don't want to make a big deal of it. I, I, I don't want to show off, you know. I, it's just between me and Jesus. Shouldn't that be enough? Well, I want you just to see what, what Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 10. In your book there, Matthew chapter 10, on the second page, underwater baptism, the last verse on that page. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 to 33. He says, in the last days, 
persecution is going to come. Hard times will come. There's going to be times when you're going to be afraid to publicly profess that you're a follower of Jesus. And then Jesus says this. He says, Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Now that's intense. But the meaning is clear. The meaning is so clear that, that the public announcement and acknowledgement of Jesus, it's not a matter of preference. It's not a matter of preference. But it is obedience to Christ and it's submission to his way. He's not ashamed of you. So why should you be ashamed of him? And if you're here today and you're realizing that you've been putting this off, that, you know, you haven't been water baptized, I want to encourage you. Would you, would you take this step? Would you take this step and, and we can begin to walk through this together and understand what it means for you to make a public profession of, of, of faith in Jesus Christ? Well, as we conclude this morning, I want to invite Barry up as the band returns. As we're wrapping up today, I believe all of us have a next step to take. I believe every single one of us have, have something for us to do still. On the back of your connection cards, I want to invite everyone to pull your connection cards out this morning. Connection cards. You'll see there's a number of next steps on the back of your connection cards, and I put all of them on there today. Because I believe all of us have something we can do today to begin to get closer to God. Number one, and most importantly, I think to declare your relationship with Jesus Christ publicly. Water baptism is the example that Jesus set, and we, and we follow that example to publicly share and proclaim our new life in him. And so maybe you're realizing today the next step you need to take is I need to get water baptized. On the back of your connection card there, there's a little spot. Would you mark that down? Say, I want to get water baptized. And, and we can be in conversation together. There'll be a class. We'll be walking through these things together. And we can begin to discern what that step looks like for you. But number two, number two, is sign up for hearing God. Because, you know, growing in community with others is the place where you begin to find freedom. I want to encourage you to, to, to learn to know God personally. To begin to, to know not just about God, but to actually know Him. To know His voice in your life. To know His direction and His guidance. To know what it sounds like when He's leading you in everyday details. I want to encourage you, would you sign up for Hearing God? Mark down your connection card that I want to sign up for the Hearing God seminar on January 19th so that you might know Him better. Number three, the third step you could take today is to commit to attend the next three Sunday services. As we are taking a new direction and a new vision for 2020, I want to encourage you, don't miss this. Don't miss what God has for you. Don't miss what's next. Say, I'm going to make it here no matter what. I'm going to be here so I can be a part of this community because there's something that happens when we gather in community together, when we hear the word preached, when we pray and when we worship, when we spend this time together, we grow in our walk with God more vibrantly than at any other time. I want to encourage you, but you can come out on Sunday services and commit yourself to them. But lastly, and I believe most importantly, you'll see this in your book there. After I choose to believe, what comes next? Maybe you need to give your heart today to Jesus to be saved. Listen, it's as simple as this. Four steps. Number one, you got to realize that God has not been first place in your life. You realize this, and you begin to ask him to, to forgive you and to forgive you of your sins. Number two, you, you believe that Jesus died to pay for your sins. You know that God raised him from the dead, and now he, he lives to offer his life to anybody who wants it. 
Number three, you accept God's free gift of salvation. You don't try and earn it. You don't try and do more. You don't try and be more. You just accept it, and you walk into it. Because our relationship with Jesus is not restored by anything that we do, but by what God has already done for us. And then number four, invite Jesus Christ into your life to come and, and make you new, to restore you back to him. You can take these steps today with me by praying this prayer you see in the book. It's a very simple prayer. It's simply a prayer of commitment. It's a prayer of acknowledgement. It's a prayer of saying, God, I, I, I need you in my life. And I want to invite every single one of us to pray this prayer with me today. Whether you're a Christian or not, would you pray this with me? It's just a prayer of recommitment to the Lord this morning as we just take our time to acknowledge his movement in our lives and what he's calling us to do as we take next steps together. Let's read this prayer together. Dear Jesus, thank you for creating me and loving me even when I ignored you and gone my own way. I realize I need you in my life and I'm sorry for my sins. I ask you to forgive me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. As much as I know how, I want to follow you from now on. Please come into my life and make me a new person from the inside out. I accept your free gift of salvation. Please come help me grow now as a Christian. Lord God, I thank you for every individual today that prayed that prayer for the first time and meant that with their hearts. And Lord, I speak your life over them right now, your life-giving spirit, which raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now lives in them. And God, I ask that you would come and bring life to them, even as you brought life to me, as you have brought life to every single one of us in this place this morning. Would you bring a new life that springs up and springs out of every part of them, Jesus, that they would know you better, that they would find freedom in you, that they would discover their purpose so that they might make a difference beyond themselves. God, I'm thankful for what you've been doing this place this morning. And and how you are challenging and growing each and every one of us to come closer to you, to take a next step, to be closer and more obedient and more in line with your will for our lives. And Lord God, we ask now that you'd give us the courage to step out. You'd give us the courage to take that step, to walk it out in obedience to you, so that we might experience everything you have for us this year. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.